0: Hello, my name is Rafa Roberts, and this is who I am.
1: how are you doing doing good how are you good thank you very very good thank you for uh, joining me on this nice sunny summer sunday we you're on the east coast so you're probably freezing cold right
0: yeah we're uh I'm in Baltimore right now okay. it is gray and dreary <laughs> out there uh so I don't if if you're getting summer weather uh it would be nice to send some away because it is just gross outside.
1: Yeah, I think today is is considered a cold day over here in uh, California, and I think it's like 70-something, so yeah, that gives you a rough 70-something. idea. 70-something. Oh, yeah. boo, boo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you grow up in Baltimore?
0: No, uh, I grew up in Jersey, actually. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. Then uh, went to school for a few years down in South Carolina and made it about halfway back, I guess.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> what did you yeah. study at school?
0: Uh, printing. Uh, graphic communications so i i don't know when i was in high school i thought i like comics i'm gonna get into printing so i can print my own comics and that was at least i have a a career to fall back on now because it (laughs) didn't really work out uh connect connectedly like that
1: yeah um so you were creating stuff back in high school
0: yeah um i actually started making comics like in first grade but you know, like everybody's first grade comics, they're like usually just pretty terrible. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that really counts, but no high school, uh, we had a printing class mm. that we had like a printing press and everything. So I try to make my special projects all be comics related. So I actually printed the first comics through my high school printing class and sold it at the uh, comic store that I was working at at the time. I was like, this is how comics are made.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Not really, <laughs> but it was a good experience. Yeah, and you were doing everything on the books. You were writing, drawing. Writing, drawing, running, actually running the
0: press, loading the paper and everything. Yeah.
1: How how well did they do? Do you remember selling? Um, I
0: guilted classmates into buying them. <laughs> uh, so it sold pretty well in like my class. Yeah. Um, and then... I took uh, a few handfuls of them up to uh, New York comic-con that was that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was, uh, before the current New York comic-con, it was still in the Javits, but it was like the, um, I want to say it was called, it wasn't the big Apple con either. I'm not entirely sure, but like Neil Gaiman was there. Uh, it was when image first hit the scene. So there was, uh, uh, image riots. Mm-hmm. I, I think they were called like a bunch of people were like mobbing the booth. People got hurt. Oh wow! Uh, and there I was, uh, some snot faced little fourteen year old kid uh, selling my uh, comics about a about uh, these giant ducks who fought each other <laughs> to uh, people in line for a dollar a piece until security came out and told me to stop. <laughs> so that's basically been my entire uh, comics life. Yeah, I keep <laughs> doing stuff till somebody comes out and tells me to stop.
2: <laughs>
1: Um, was this uh, so? This was the '90s, and uh, you were a comics <laughs> fan before then. You were, yeah, that would have been like '92 or '93, I
0: guess. Yeah, whenever, uh, whenever the first year image came out, because that's that was the same show.
1: Yeah, that, that that always gets really muddy that period for me. I it, it's like you know the the Jim Lee on X Men and Wildcats and Vertigo is all just one big smudge, right. in my memory <laughs> of happening in, within a month in my mind, but and it took longer yeah no i remember
0: it, it just it was a good show it was very formulative when i was uh younger going down and seeing um actually meeting like everybody i liked in comics was there mm-hmm. so it was like a one-stop shopping i didn't i don't think i realized how good i had it yeah. growing up because it also wasn't as crowded as the modern day new york comic cons you could still walk around right get through aisles um I don't think I waited more than two minutes to get anything signed by anybody, mm-hmm. including Jim Lee, <laughs> who I think you, ask, you you. can't even approach. You can't even get close. Neil Gaiman, I think I waited for 15 minutes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But that was pre ticketed. So it was like, yeah. And I think we complained about it then. It's like, I can't believe this line's so long. I got to wait <laughs> 15, 20 minutes to meet this guy that you got to wait like seven hours in line to see now.
1: Mm-hmm. So who are you a fan of at this point at that point Mm
0: -hmm. uh I was really into Sam Keith which was great because he was there yeah um the original Infinity Gauntlet series just hit so Jim Starlin was there and I really liked his stuff at the time Mm -hmm. Uh, I still do uh what else was I reading I was reading Sandman so Gaiman was there um Man, basically everything. It was like early nineties. So it was like everybody who was big in the early nineties, that was it was like Eric Larson, Todd McFarlane. Yeah. Uh uh indie stuff uh Evan Dorkin. I was just getting into milk and cheese at that point. Mm-hmm. I think he had just finished up uh like this Bill and Ted's run it was really good. Um met Mike Zek there, that was really cool. Uh man. Just really every if you if you look at, like, Wizard <laughs> Top Ten of
1: any uh, given year at that time, that was probably who I was into, too. Yeah.
0: Very stereotypical little
1: fanboy. Well, that was, I mean, that was, everything was available. That was the thing, you know. The, the names that you mentioned there, that was, it wasn't just, like, you know, you, you went to a, a drugstore and picked up Spider-Man right. and, and read it. I remember going to tiny little newsagents in England, and they'd have, you know, Freak Brothers books in there, and... um uh-huh.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. And luckily, uh, the comic store that I was shopping at didn't really see a difference between, like, the indies and the superhero stuff. So, like, yeah, uh, Gilbert and Shelton, the uh, the Freak brothers, mm-hmm. had a lot of uh, Robert Crumb stuff come through. Um, I wish I had gotten into Chester Brown a little bit earlier. I, I didn't get it
2: mm-hmm. earlier,
0: uh, so it's kind of like my regret at the time <laughs> that – I didn't read any, but I was yeah, like reading Cerebus, Dork. Um, there was a series called Lethargic Comics that I was really into at the time too. Uh-huh. Like Lethar it was mostly like uh, parodies of everything. Uh, so it was like Lethargic Lad. Uh-huh. Like um, those guys were really cool, I, and in terms of uh, the approachability of creators,
2: yeah,
0: uh, that was great. And I, man, I'm really digging up some memories. I remember getting uh, a portfolio review. Hmm. from uh colleen duran during that time oh wow uh, yeah and my stuff was terrible but she was really <laughs> nice <laughs> she told me that very nicely
2: yeah
0: um <laughs> and then i think she did like a portfolio for me like a year after and maybe commented like yeah i see some improvement it was still terrible uh-huh. so it's like a next like it's slightly less terrible but she again said it very nicely and um yeah it was just it was good times
1: yeah did you, were you, um, in, in your mind, were you like, I want to be in mainstream comics, I want to be a superhero kind of guy, or I want to do, or, or was there always that little indie seed that that was ticking by? Uh, probably always a little bit of both,
0: uh-huh. honestly. Because I, I enjoyed making, um, the comic was called Duck at the mm-hmm. time. It was my high school comic, <laughs> uh, which came out of something I was drawing for, uh, all right, I have to back up quite a bit. Uh, so I went to a high school that was 50% rich and 50% poor.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I was on the poor side. So I kept seeing all these, like the rich kids going on these ski trips and everything. Yeah. Uh, so there was a local uh, church youth group in my neighborhood that also sent kids on ski trips. And while I was not very religious at all, I did enjoy going skiing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I uh, joined joined this youth group deliberately telling the people, like, I have no interest in anything you're peddling. I just want to go on these trips. But I also like drawing comics, so I uh, created a comic strip for their uh, newsletter.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It was about Holy Duck. <laughs> it was Holy Duck and Devil Duck, and they would fight. And so I made a comic of that. Uh, but it kind of took on a life of its own, and I really enjoyed making that comic and mm-hmm. just making all of my own comics. Um, so that is primarily where my focus lay is doing my own stuff not to say that as a 16 year old with terrible writing skills and, and art skills i wouldn't have jumped at the chance to write the x-men but i don't know they weren't calling me for some reason <laughs> so i just kept uh self-publishing my own stuff and you know finishing high school
2: uh-huh. <laughs> but
0: uh but yeah no i just i think even uh getting like mainstream books i've worked on superhero stuff uh as an adult
1: mm-hmm.
0: i still try to
1: make sure it's still me yeah um, do you still have Duck around? Is is there a copy? I do. I still have
0: uh, actual some copies of it in storage. <laughs> it's really, it's not a good comic. It's <laughs> interesting because you can look at it and go, "Oh, I see where things started." Yeah. But besides that, it's it's not great. <laughs>
1: But you were doing it. That's the thing. I mean, that's, uh, back, back then I, I remember I, I couldn't draw. I, re- I had a, a moment where I realized I, I couldn't draw and that was, you know, I wanted to make comics back then. And when, when that hit me, when it was like, I need, I need someone to do this now i realized. Yeah. And, and that was, uh, I think that, that, that hit a little too early for me. I didn't even get a yeah. chance to make anything. But, um, yeah. what about, um, uh, your parents, what did they do?
0: Uh, my mom was a school teacher, mm-hmm. uh, for developmentally disabled, uh, kids and she worked at a, uh, hospital mm-hmm. where she met my dad. He was, uh, he went into hospital administration, uh, and he also went into a mental health field. So they basically met at work. Right. Uh, I guess, uh, when me and my brother popped out, I guess my mom retired from that and, uh, stayed home, but still had like part-time jobs doing, um, working like Cross stitch stores, uh-huh. um, running shuttles back and forth to the airport for like our elderly neighbors or anybody right. who was going out of town. Mm. So n- neither, not really artistic fields,
1: right? Um,
0: so, but definitely in in mental health though, <laughs> <laughs> which which, which, some which might doesn't argue. doesn't explain me. I, <laughs> I should be more.
1: <laughs> um, so um, how we when when you were creating comics yourself, were you? Because of the printing class and because of uh, stuff like that, were you conscious of like ma- doing it in a different way, or was it just getting sheets of paper, folding them in half, drawing on them, copying them, and or, or was there more process to it for you? Uh,
0: it was weird because I even I didn't know what I was doing. I don't think anybody really. There, there was no internet at mm-hmm. the time. I'm that old, uh, <laughs> and even and in terms of. Like, mini-comics existed and small press stuff existed,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, but I didn't really know anything about that, so I thought I was just doing my own thing,
2: because
0: mm. uh, I was trying to get professionally printed comics through my high school printing class. I got it nowhere close, but it was, it was still printed, mm-hmm. and instead of moving into like the mini-comic format, which I probably should have, I started doing... Uh, these thing uh, single pages, mm. where every week I would just have a new page of the comic that the comic store I would shop at would sell for uh, fifty cents mm. for just a sheet of paper, mm. uh, and at the end I would just collect that all into another book and sell that.
1: Yeah, um, the, the the model you described, though is is like it's kind of forward thinking because that's kind of what people do now with Patreon and and with uh, um. You know, yeah, like it yeah i guess like that,
0: that that model works a lot better with the internet you can just
1: put up a page every so often
0: online yeah and that's all right and for a patreon but actually trying to sell a physical piece of paper with yeah. just <laughs> blank on one side like 50 cents please
1: um when did the um, plastic farm start up uh plastic
0: farm started uh just out of college that would have been 99 or 2000 mm-hmm. uh and that was really only supposed to be like one issue. I was just goofing around, um, but then it was just supposed to be about this guy named Chester who had a drinking problem, and in typical early twenties uh, male independent comics writer, is very sad boy. Hmm. It was a drunk girl broke his heart. and drinks too much, and then that's the comic. But. Um, I also had this idea for this weird supernatural cowboy thing where he like rides a giant dinosaur through, uh, these psychedelic landscapes Mm -hmm. and just kind of merge the two together, uh, which then became what was supposed to be just like a eight to 12 issue thing. And then it just ballooned out, uh, and may never be done Mm. at this point. So we'll, we'll see. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, it was good practice. I, I don't regret it, even if it never gets done. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see, if you look at the early issues of Plastic Farm versus the the most recent or the last issue, which came out like three or four years ago, mm-hmm. uh, you can hopefully see a marked improvement in both writing and illustration skills.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But, so I kind of look at it as, I always say, it's as much a story about uh, Chester, the main character, it's just much a story about my ability to learn how to write and draw
2: mm.
1: yeah it's um you know i, I think a lot of uh, one one of the downsides with uh, how accessible and how um, available um, uh, printing and getting comics out to people now is is that you don't have that that learning period you don't have that period of just doing something and and getting it out there people expect the finished product from out right. there instantly so
0: There is something to be said about, uh, putting stuff out to the wider audience, even if it's not quite ready for that Mm -hmm. to get, uh, instant feedback. Yeah. Uh, and that's, you know, it's a double-edged sword too. You (laughs) get some, uh, constructive criticism of how to improve it, but you also get your same internet trolls just telling you you suck and you should give up. Mm -hmm. Um, so, which is not to say that when you get to be more professional where it start working on bigger name books, that. The uh, those trolls don't go away, mm. uh, so maybe it's good training in that way. Mm. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, I do it, it definitely, I, I definitely helped me get a thicker skin on yeah. some stuff and dealing uh, with harsher criticisms.
1: Mm-hmm. And what was between uh, Duck and and Plastic Farm? You said it was like uh, two thousand when I came out. So what? Was oh,
0: it? Uh, what was your
1: lost nineties?
0: Well, decade? there was. Uh, in college, I did a comic strip called Fubar, uh-huh. uh, which basically is where Plastic Farm came out of. I just sort of picked some characters out of it, but it was just uh, drugs. Mm-hmm. It was just a 100% uh, weed, LSD, mushrooms, just these guys were going out. Every joke had something to do with them being on drugs,
2: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> which um, which was fun because uh, I was doing a lot of drugs at the time, too, so... Uh, <laughs> Uh, basically, after a while, like I said, I was doing this comic so that I would go to parties and uh-huh. I would introduce myself as the guy who made that comic right. and then people would smoke me up. So nice. that was great. <laughs> so, it was, uh, so that was basically it. And then I was doing that for actually the college newspaper. So it was running once a week
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then there was a change of editorial... And there was miscommunication because I thought I was supposed to get paid
2: Mm.
0: and I didn't. And so I kind of lost. I was getting ready to graduate. It just stopped being as much fun. Right. And also with no money coming in, I think I was just ready to get out of uh, South Carolina at that point.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, With um, uh, Plastic Farm, when you first started, putting that out what was your what was were you you just wanted you said it was just going to be one single issue and then it just sort of grew from there um and it was i'm trying to i've got some of the early ones but they were they were uh they weren't just uh the folded sheets and and like uh the first
0: four issues i did as uh oversized kind of mini comics Uh i printed them up on my uh copier uh it's like a it looked like a copier machine, but it was really a big proofing machine. It's like an early, early digital press. Uh-huh. Um, so it was like 11 by 17, folded in half uh, to make like an 8.5 by 11 comic.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and so the first four issues were all done at work. Uh, I must have almost broken that damn printer like three or four times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked night shift, so it made it a little bit easier. But there were some nights where at like 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning – sweating bullets because i couldn't get a paper jam uh out of the back of the press that very clearly had my comics printed on the paper (laughs) it's like oh no i broke the press and they're gonna know it's me (laughs) um but i went to an early uh spx a small press expo Mm -hmm. in uh bethesda i think it was like 2002 and there were some diamond representatives there, uh, talking about how to get your comics into previews, how to get wider distribution. Mm-hmm. And I had some copies of plastic farm with me and I showed it to them. and I go, yeah, you print this up like a real comic and this should sell pretty good. I'm like, all right. So I dropped a couple grand into printing this thing up <laughs> and then sent it off to not knowing what order things should be done in. Mm-hmm. I actually printed the damn thing <laughs> and then told diamond, Hey, I have this comic. Would you like to sell it? And they looked at it and go, no, we would not. Oh,
1: wow. <laughs> so I had
0: to figure out how, what to do with that. Eventually, um, they picked up the book with issue five and six, uh-huh. which was a weird issue to start selling through Diamond. Uh, and it, didn't, it went about as well as you would expect. I think initial orders for the first book were like 60 copies. Mm. Uh, and this was... Just before they put that order minimum thing in, so, right. I mean, I I can say that I, I Plastic Farm was carried for by Diamond for three issues <laughs> before they realized that this isn't
1: working. Right. What did you do in uh, when they said they weren't going to carry it? What, what what was your next step?
0: Uh, I just kept going because uh-huh. I'm dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, That's why the first 12 issues of Plastic Farm are all professionally printed. They're traditional comics. Um, And up until about a few months ago, I still had a vast majority of them Mm. uh, just uh, taking up space and storage. I was going to pulp them, but I actually had a friend uh, step forward and decide to rescue them. Mm. I tried to warn him, like, that's a lot of boxes. It's going to take up a lot. Um, But I don't think he fully grasp of what he was offering to do until he got to the storage thing. We started loading up his uh, minivan, which we filled up. <laughs> and then it's like, bottom dinner. It's like, there you go. This is your problem now.
1: <laughs> Did you, I mean, that's an, another thing I think is uh, another step that's missing is that getting it right and then printing 2000 copies of something and realizing yeah. that it's like a very physical and uh, space consuming thing. Yeah, you
0: don't realize how many comics—three thousand comics—is until the UPS guy shows up at your doorstep.
1: <laughs> yeah. um, when did it start feeling like you had um, like a, a a readership, and people started to let you know that they were reading it? Or was it? Would you go to conventions and sell a bunch of them, and then go from there? Or uh, Plastic Farm always had
0: a very small but very loyal readership, so I, I would get uh the occasional letter
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh from a reader. Uh I hooked up with like an independent distributor, uh so I was dealing direct to a few stores, maybe about ten or fifteen different stores were carrying plastic farms. So I knew that people were buying it
2: mm-hmm. and that
0: some people were reading it. Um but honestly it wasn't until a bit later where I started getting other gigs mm. where uh people were like getting excited to see me writing something else. <laughs> Like oh, Rafer's doing this. That's cool.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so yeah, I don't know. It was more of a, a slow, gradual process. Mm. It's it's like asking the frog in the frying pan when he noticed the frying pan started getting
1: hot. <laughs> uh,
0: I don't really. I don't even know if it's on yet.
1: Yeah. Were you w- when you started to realize that people like that that you could do this? Um, did you start pitching <laughs> ideas? Or? I st- I'm still not sure I can do this. <laughs> um, did you pitch ideas, or did you wait? Would, 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 did someone come up to you and say, "Hey, you, would you do you want to try this?" Do you remember?
0: Uh, yeah, most of my comics were just me and either just me doing something, or me and a friend just goofing around and doing something.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it wasn't until I guess me and uh, my friend Justin Jordan mm-hmm. were goofing around doing the uh, Thanos and Dark Side comic strip, which yeah. came that was like 2012, I think. Uh, when I started getting companies interested, um, that's when um, Warren Simons, who was editor in chief of Valiant at the time, uh, knew Justin and asked if we wanted to do similar comics uh, for their anniversary issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once I got a foot in the door of a company that was fun to work for and also paid really well, mm-hmm. uh, I'm like, nope, this is where I'm staying, you're not getting <laughs> rid of me now, uh, and basically just uh asked Warren if I could send him some of my writing samples, if it was okay to pitch on some stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh and then it really just snowballed
1: from there. Right. And when uh when you say writing samples, were these like completed things that you'd done or did you put together specs uh,
0: stuff? Or? yeah, I think I gave him at that point the most recent issue of Plastic Farm, uh-huh. um some other short stories that I had written, uh some stuff for anthologies. Right. Uh just completed short stories just to show him. Hey, this is what I can do. This yeah. is my mentality and approach in a story. And, um, I guess he liked them cause mm-hmm. he asked me to uh, pitch on some stuff and then, uh, we worked really well together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, uh, even though I'm not writing anything for Valiant now, uh, I think writing for them is probably the best thing that ever happened, uh, not only for my writing career and I'm doing air quotes and I'm on the podcast you can't see that <laughs> but uh but also just my ability to write mm-hmm. uh, i I came out of it uh I think a much stronger and tighter uh, writer mm. than I was before I went in
1: mm. what's your approach for writing do you ah. uh,
0: I don't know if I really have so much an approach it's more I used to focus on uh, like a lot of longer conversations, mm-hmm. which is fine for when I was drawing my own stuff. Um, but it really does slow down narratives. You can uh, trim that down, but really, I just I look for something that entertains me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: If it's as long as it's entertaining me and not boring me, uh, then I I'm, I'm all in. Mm. Uh, and also, now that I'm working with a bunch of different artists, I like trying to make the job as much fun for them. Mm. So um, I don't always succeed, but I I do try. Um, (laughs) Like working with um, Kristen Goodsnuck on Modern Fantasy, Uh, that was very much a collaboration. So Mm -hmm. I would give her a good script that I knew that she could riff on or uh, come up with her own stuff to put in. Mm -hmm. Uh, Working on, uh, so like Archer and Armstrong, I I actually hadn't met either of the two artists I'd, I was working with, uh, Dave LaFuente and Mike Norton, mm-hmm. but I really just wanted to, uh, again, make a story that was super fun. Uh, I, I knew Dave. David liked uh, noodling a lot and putting some weird stuff in, so I tried to make that easy for him And uh, from seeing Mike's art. Mm-hmm. It was like very strong, good, uh, good sense of timing and, and narrative storytelling, so I tried to... Uh, turn my scripts, uh, not as much turn my scripts, Um, you know, try to uh, just write the scripts so it it would play into each of the individual artists' wheelhouse.
1: Mm -hmm. Hmm. Do you do full scripts?
0: I do. Yeah. Um, But I also try to let all the artists I work with know that uh, they can feel free to ignore me. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, it's... The only thing I really care about is that the story gets told. Uh-huh. You don't have to follow my scripts exactly to do that. Yeah. My I, these are suggestions. This is how I'm seeing it in my head, uh, but most times an artist who's actually on the page will see a way to tell it better. Uh-huh. Uh, so I try to give my artists as much freedom in that way as possible. Right. Just if you just get the emotions and the actions right, I don't quite care the the way the panels, which is not to say sometimes there is. Sometimes I, I just fall in love with the way of, uh, the beat of a joke or the beat of an action Mm -hmm. takes place. So I, I, I try to hint at that in the script that it's, I like this,
2: Mm. but
0: again, um, I'm lucky enough to be working with some really, really incredible artists. So, uh,
1: why would I ever want to handcuff them? Mm. So you never do thumbnails and, and, um, hyper uh,
0: only if it's asked. Okay. Uh, there was like once, I think my panel descriptions or my page description wasn't very clear uh-huh. on something, so I just drew like a real quick um, uh, stick figure kind of layout and sent it to Mike on one thing. Mm. Um, but that was 100% because I think my panel description was uh, very clumsy. On that one
1: page, mm-hmm. it happens. <laughs>
0: I'm not perfect.
1: <laughs> um, you're working now on on you mentioned modern fantasy and also uh, Grumble just came out. Yes, um, these uh, it, th- uh, modern fantasy is Dark Horse, right? And then Grumble is um, is it Albatross? The, the...
0: Albatross, yes. Yeah. Uh, Eric Powell's company. Yeah.
1: Um, how did
0: that come around? How did you you get? Uh, well, with modern fantasy, I'll I'll go in order. Um, I had met Kristen at a New York Comic Con uh, maybe 2014, 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had just put out Hench Girl and was walking around handing it out, and I, I really liked it. Right. And we got to talking and found out that we had a lot of uh, similar uh, opinions on comics and uh, similar likes and dislikes about certain stuff. And it just like i think i want to work with you uh and we had nothing planned but uh she wanted to do something with magic right. uh so i just got my wheels turning and eventually it became modern fantasy which is um modern day world if uh, all of our ancient history was like dungeons and dragons and lord of the rings mm-hmm. so you got um rangers uh going to their dead-end data entry jobs next to their <laughs> uh, religious fanatic barbarian co-workers or uh, orcs and goblins going on bad Tinder dates to fancy goblin bistros. And, uh, so basically everything that's going on in your life but with fantasy elements in it. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the most fun books I've worked on and it's mostly because of Kristen, working with Kristen mm-hmm. and um, the editorial staff at Dark Horse. Uh, we landed at Dark Horse because Kristen's henchgirl book got collected uh by dark horse so uh it was a very informal pitch of uh her giving what i had written to uh, uh chantelle Roque who's our editor mm-hmm. um and about two days later going yeah we'll publish this it's good <laughs>
2: uh
0: and it's been great and the, the fan reaction has been great uh hopefully we get to do a second volume uh but we're still just waiting to see what the uh, trade numbers are on that mm-hmm. but uh Everybody at Dark Horse is amazing. Uh from editorial to marketing, the marketing team uh so much fun to work with uh doing some uh, real fun ideas. We like did some uh D&D character sheets for all the major characters in the in the comic. Mm-hmm. Um And then uh yeah, so that was fun. Uh Grumble was a much easier pitching process. <laughs> uh uh so, Grumbles the story of a dickhead magician uh, con artist in the uh, vein of like a John Constantine, uh, however, uh, with less scruples, Mm -hmm. if such a thing is possible, (laughs) and his uh, uh, half-demon teenage uh, sidekick uh, named Tala as they uh, con and steal their way uh, through Baltimore and try to stay one step ahead of the forces of good and evil who are after them. Mm-hmm. Um, it basically came about Mike had the idea of uh, the Constantine uh, pug uh, kind of character, and we developed it together. And as uh, we were getting closer and closer to f- figuring it all out, uh, he's friends with Eric uh, Powell, who mm-hmm. they were, I guess, we were just talking at a show about it. And Eric just goes like, yeah, I'll publish that. Uh, So that was, that was very easy. I believe I was like in the middle of writing up a pitch document to, to send to people Mm -hmm. when, um, Mike just texted me and he was like, Hey, what do you think about albatross? (laughs) It's like, yeah, that's great. Um, and it has been, Eric has, uh, been an amazing publisher. Um, Andrea who, uh, works behind the scenes has been super amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it's a weird book. It, it's me and Mike and people who um, I think we work really well together. Um, but we do some weird stuff in our books. Uh, so it can be a hard sell sometimes. But Eric has just been 110% behind uh, Grumble from day one.
2: We're
0: mm-hmm. doing some uh, amazing things. I think it's some of the best comics I've made
2: mm.
0: uh, Mike's amazing all the time. So I can't really speak to them for that, but I'm going to, I'm going to say that these are his best comics too.
2: Hmm. Um,
0: <laughs> and then, but we also have, um, uh, Marissa Louise on colors yeah. who, mm-hmm. and I think having her there, um, brings everything up to like that next level. Uh, cause me and Mike on our own, we're pretty good. We get Marissa in there, uh, and it just becomes like this all-star team in my eyes. Just, uh, she's just, so good and so uh, unafraid to be experimental with her colors Mm -hmm. that even if it like in your mind you're like oh this puke pea green why would you use that here but then you put it in the comic and the way she uses it against other colors uh it just makes everything pop and look real good Mm -hmm. Uh, and we got crank on letters who's just been an absolute uh pleasure to work with even Mm -hmm. though uh i have a tendency on tweaking up until the very end of something mm. which tends to annoy letters <laughs> uh, understandably I, i'm i'm getting better at it mm. but i'm still um if i see something i don't like and it's my fault i i tend to want to change it
1: right is is there a different approach to those two books for the um like the working with dark horse and you were saying about how the the first trade and were you building towards a trade and then it felt with uh grumble, especially it felt very much like a a traditional comic book first issue where it was like, this is the setup. Are you in? Okay. Then enjoy kind of approach. Yes.
0: Yeah. That was very much on purpose for grumble Mm -hmm. as, um, here we go. (laughs) Um, I think there's even like a meta, I I made it in, there's a meta line. Eddie is explaining what's going on. And just as he's running off to do, it was like, now keep up. That's, That's very much my uh, on-purpose meta dialogue. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, modern fantasy was always planned as being a four-issue mini, so that might be why that feels a little bit different. Mm. Grumble is designed to be an ongoing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see how ongoing it is, but uh, it's, it's designed for it.
1: Right. How far ahead are you, uh, do you have to write with, with something like Grumble? where you, If it's ongoing, do you, how far ahead do you want to be?
0: Uh, As far ahead as possible. (laughs) Um, Issue two is about to come out. Mm -hmm. I'm in the middle of writing issue six. I'm almost done. Okay. Uh, Mike has finished issue five. So we're well ahead.
2: Mm.
0: Uh, So we shouldn't have any problems hitting deadlines from now until um, we need to take a break or something. Mm -hmm. But... We're still playing all that by ear.
1: Right. And what's your, what, for, for writing during the week, um, do, are you very much like, do you say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to set aside this amount of time. I'm going to do this. I'm going to work on this book on this day. I'm going to do this process I, at this stage. Or?
0: I try to, my, um, <laughs> I still have my day job. So uh, I have to work around that. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, so I try to get up. Uh, and get at least an hour's worth of writing done before I have to run into the day job. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes I got to go run some errands. Um, sometimes I have to do promotions. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I, I got like to like, uh, written interviews or, um, sometimes revisions come in. <laughs> I like, Oh, I, I need to not do this thing I plan to do. Cause I, this thing is due in an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I try to write whenever I can. Uh, I need to get in better, uh, uh better work habits and a better, um, schedule mm-hmm. and a better, better rhythm. Uh, cause I really feel I've fallen off that rhythm as of late, but eh, that's life. I'm still, I'm still hitting my deadlines and <laughs> I think the comics are still coming out good. So
1: uh-huh. what
0: am I complaining about?
1: Yeah. With your day job, how how many hours in a day is that? Is that like a full? Uh, I work
0: uh, Monday to Thursday Uh from two p.m. to midnight. Right. So it's four ten-hour days, which is great because I have my Fridays off uh, and a second shift. So I have my mornings where I can get up and do the writing while I'm still fresh-brained, and then go in and do my day job, which um, is a lot of repetitive action that i don't have to think very hard about Mm -hmm. uh we do have like occasional problems but for the most part it's the same thing every day right but yeah it's it's a lot harder i know most people have their day job and their writing or day job and their whatever creative output but with normal people's schedules that creative thing has to take place after they get home from Mm -hmm. work which uh, they had me on first shift for a while and it did not work for me at all. <laughs> uh, I would get home and just be so completely brain dead and just drained that nothing was coming out. Right. So I give lots of respect for the people who work, uh, regular first shift jobs and still are able to get any sort of creative output done over the, on a Monday to Friday basis.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's a bit super hard. Yeah.
1: Is there an, an an element? I know that the, the the time is is stretched, but is there an element of uh, because you have the the day job? There's a little bit more. Um, I think um, it, it it it's not like if you have a writing job and then it goes away. That's it. You're done for. You don't have that kind of. single swim thing you have something that you is kind of ticking you over whilst you can create do you think that gives you a little bit more freedom or
0: i think so um it's a little bit of of both too Mm -hmm. because having to go into the day job i i see those while it is a good job and it pays well and i get good benefits i still see it mentally as this is time i could be writing Mm -hmm. so there's that hunger that uh pushes me on, on the comics and say, like, I need to get more comics work. I need more people to buy my comics so I can quit this day job so I can make more comics because this is really all I want to be doing. Mm. But at the same time, the comics aren't paying for anything just yet. So it is very nice to still have uh, a supplemental income and health insurance
2: because mm. <laughs> I, am,
0: I am not a healthy person. I am, <laughs> I got I got things wrong with me that, uh, uh, nothing too awful, but it is expensive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's the, I mean, that's, uh, without getting too into the, 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 world of comics, but it seems like it's such a harsh place for people who have any kind of health issues that, that world. It's so, you know, it's, it's hard. There's no yeah. protections. There's no, there's no sense of community and unity and union sensibility that's that's there i know they have tried but yeah it's set like the comics
0: uh health insurance is basically go fund me and uh the hero <laughs> initiative yeah. uh which is not a great system it's no. good that there's those um those things in place for emergencies but you can't that can't become the norm
1: yeah um have you Have you changed your approach at all in um, like your, your your method of writing or your style or have you have you felt everything kind of evolve naturally from from how you've approached it? Or? Uh,
0: the way I approach scripts now, um, when I first started writing for Valiant, I hadn't really written too much for other people. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I, wrote, I had guest artists in plastic farm, so I would write them scripts. Um, but in terms of being able to write a 22 page script in a week, that wasn't really a skill I had yet. Uh, so that was very difficult. Uh, those first two or three scripts basically in terms of time management, uh, I did a lot of backtracking. Like I would write 15 pages and then realize, Oh, I don't have enough room for the rest of the story. Mm -hmm. Crap. Uh, so I basically had to teach myself how to outline, uh, teach myself, um, my own way of working where I wasn't doing a lot of, uh, I wasn't redoing a lot of work Mm -hmm. that I would do small bits of work and then build and build and build rather than, start from big and realize how I had fucked up the f- foundation. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, in that way, my approach is, has changed. I've gotten a lot more streamlined. Uh, I think my stories don't take as many unnecessary detours mm-hmm. anymore. I used to have some just fun scenes, but, uh, I've become a lot more willing to kill my darlings. Um, mm-hmm. and working with collaborators, I realized like all, all of plastic farm, uh, all my other comics is just me, mm-hmm. but working with other people, um, I'd actually been afraid of it before working how um, much I would cling to certain ideas. But uh, luckily, I, don't, I, don't, I guess by the quality of the collaborators I've been working with, everybody has good ideas. So um, I try not to hold any of my ideas being too sacred or too special mm-hmm. because, hell, there's always a better idea. Mm. let's hear it, let's make this the best comic. This idea doesn't need to come from me. I'm, I'll am i do my best to write a scene uh, based on somebody else's idea, but the idea doesn't necessarily have to come directly from me. Mm. Uh, Mike's come up with some great ideas that um, obviously he came up with the idea of the comic in the first place, but even beyond that, uh, there's so much of that's in Grumble that was Mike, whether or not he was serious on some certain things that he pitched to me, (laughs) uh, they're all getting in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, and Kristen's the same way on modern fantasy. It's like, there's a few scenes where it's like, this isn't really working for me. What if we did this? Um, so yeah, I'm really enjoying having, um, collaborators also acting in editorial capacity. It's really Mm -hmm. nice. Yeah.
2: Do
1: you still uh, go to conventions? Do you still like doing that? Yeah, I go to too many conventions. Probably, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, I, I was gonna say, yeah, we're done for 20, 2018, but there's only two weeks left of twenty eighteen, so I would hope, <laughs> I would freaking hope so.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, but yeah, what did we do this year? We did, did Emerald City
2: uh-huh.
0: in Seattle. We did Comic Palooza in Texas,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Baltimore Comic Con, New York Comic Con. Small Press Expo, though I was just there as a fan. Hmm. Um, we usually do Heroes down in Charlotte, that we didn't do it this year. Uh, we do enough that I can't quite think. Of, uh can't think of all of them off the top of my head. Sorry, Sorry. what was that last one? Terrificon. Oh, Terrificon! Yes, uh, up in uh, the casino up in uh, New England. It was. You wouldn't think he's like, oh, it's like a show in a casino. Uh-huh. What's that going to be? But it ended up being one of like the best shows I've ever been to. It was so much fun. Oh, nice. Uh, because it's this, um, uh, it's Mahegan Sun, so it's this complex of like mm-hmm. hotels and everything. So everybody sort of stays in the same spot. And we all have dinner together. And uh, Mitch, the guy who runs it, is just a big sweetheart. It was such a fun show.
1: Mm. Nice. Um. Where would you want people to find you online and
0: find your work? Uh, my my main website is plasticfarm.com. Uh-huh. Uh, but probably the best place to follow me to get like news and updates is my Twitter, which is also just at Plastic Farm.
1: Mm-hmm. Nice. I'll put some links in the uh, show notes. Uh, Rafa, thank you so much for, for talking. No problem. This is great. Yeah. Hopefully I will see you again soon at some point. I saw you last, I think it was Emerald City in... 2013 or 14. Does that sound right?
0: Yeah. It's been too long. Yeah. Uh, I'm remembering that because that was uh, like the old setup.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. When they
0: had, um, when they had everybody on the same floor. Yeah. Uh, have you been since they changed it up? Cause it's no. nice now. No,
2: uh, I haven't. I
0: like no. how they have this, the artist alleys all up on its own floor. Yeah. Which uh, I had thought the first year going in would have been a disaster, but
2: <laughs> it worked out
0: really well. And I've had like two of the best Emerald cities in a row. Oh nice! Uh, since they made that change. Yeah, it's been great.
1: Yeah, I'd like to go back. I haven't been able to get onto the list. Um, I've been bumped onto the, the wait list the last few times I've tried, but I, I might uh-huh. go to the fan at some point and see if I can walk around because that that one's a fun one. Yeah,
0: yeah. Rose City's also pretty good. Up in Portland. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that one's really good.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, that's one that I definitely want to get to. Yeah, and Portland's
0: just a fun city too. So uh, even if the way i look at it is like even if i don't do good at the show at least i'm in portland yeah
1: <laughs> well thank you and um enjoy the rest of your your winter winter sunday <laughs> oh, stay thanks warm. yeah <laughs> I'll,
0: stay, I'll stay dry and warm
1: that's it for the show we'll be back in two weeks you can find us online at whoiampodcast.com and contact us by email at who at gmail.com or by phone at 818-308-4066 If you'd like to be a guest on the show, there is a submissions form on the site. We're also on iTunes where you can leave a rating if you feel inclined. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Jamie Gamble, and this was This Is Who I Am.